Hi, this is Azimuth World Foundation's podcast, Connecting the Dots. With the help of our guests, we will be connecting the dots between matters of access to public health and safe water and the balance between humankind and nature among indigenous and rural communities. Hello, my name is Mariana Marques, and this is Connecting the Dots. Batu communities in Uganda, Rwanda, and the DRC are clear examples of the devastating effects of fortress conservation, the colonial model for nature preservation that posits the mutual exclusion of nature and humans. Often, the designation of protected areas leads to the displacements of the very people responsible for stewarding that ecosystem those who thrive in and relied on that land for their spiritual and physical sustenance. In the Bwindi Forest in 1991, uh, wildlife conservation efforts pushed Batwa communities to the margins of Ugandan society. Unable to navigate the society, their marginalization deepened. And this very brief, abrupt and violent chapter had devastating consequences for a people who had been thriving for millennia as forest dwellers. The scarce existing statistics focusing on Batwa communities in Uganda in the realm of education, health, or financial resources reflect an astounding level of social and economic marginalization. So much so that it becomes too easy to erase to aspects that are fundamental for a truthful narrative of the Batwa. Firstly, that these people not only survived, but thrive in the forest through a profound and ancient knowledge system of resources for shelter, food, and medicine that the forest provided for. Secondly, that the extreme marginalization of these communities has always been accompanied by the extraordinary resilience and tireless work of Batwa individuals and Batwa-led organizations fighting for to better lives, reclaim their people's rights and protect knowledge, culture, and identity. Hasmuth has partnered with three Batwa-led organizations in the past few years, and those experiences have made clear to us how Batwa voices must be recognized and heard on the global stage. Listening to the testimonies by Batwa individuals leads to a profound and essential reflection on the history of colonialism in conservation the structures and processes of colonization that are still ongoing and the devastating effects they have had and continue to have. But most of all, the stories that are about the future, what they are doing to overcome challenges and their dreams of prospering amidst enormous adversity. We are honored to have today Silvia Kukunda. Silvia, a Batwa leader, is the founder and chief executive officer of Action for Batwa Empowerment Group a non-profit Ugandan organization working to empower the Batwa. After completing a bachelor's degree in public administration management and a master of arts in organizational leadership and management, Sylvia decided to commit her life to representing her community at national, regional, and international human rights forums, where she has boldly spoken out against unbearable injustice that Batwa continued to suffer under the Ugandan government's watch. Her organization's project to empower the Batu community through advocacy, education, skills development, healthcare, commercial agriculture, tourism, and research to holistically transform their lives and culture for a prosperous future. Action for Batu Empowerment Group 
also engages with several national and international stakeholders to find a comprehensive approach and solutions that address the challenges the bot would face. Sylvia, thank you and welcome. <laughs> so um, an important starting point for our conservation today is to hear in your own terms about the Bato community you come from, its culture, history, and the marginalization it has experienced since eviction. We know this is a, an impossible, vast question, but please give us an overview and tell us how that experience led you to found Action for Batwa Empowerment Group. Yeah, I'm from the Batwa community, which is one of the indigenous communities in Uganda. The Batwa, we are original dwellers of the forest. That is how our culture, our survival, our sustainability, all our life depended on the forest in terms of food, shelter, medicinal and also spiritual worship, all this depended on the forest. And in 1991, the forest was deserted by the government of Uganda to conserve the forest to protect the endangered mountain gorillas. The mountain gorillas which we stayed with in the forest were protected over the human beings and now the battle we are forcefully evicted without free, prior and informed consent. We are never given alternative way of living and we also we, we became squatters on other people's land because like when we were evicted we had to squat on the margins of the forest working as casual laborers or also working on other people's farms to earn a living and also for survival. We started facing, and we are still facing, economic, social, political, and environmental marginalizations, thus which also led to the formation of ABEG, ABEG Action for Battle Empowerment Group, to empower the battle people to amplify their voices and speak for their own rights. Because we could not stand the injustice we continued to face, at the gaze of the government, which evicted us out of the forest and never compensated us to have an, another place where we can stay, we can live. And now through this, we empower the water through advocacy and also economic empowerment, research, and many other things. That is what we do as ABEG, ABEG which is one of the mm -hmm. organizations that Batwa found and Batwa led. And uh, Sylvia, how does Ugandan society perceive the Batwa's history and current situation? And to what extent are Batwa voices shaping the national discourse on these issues? Yeah, the Uganda society perceives Batwa as the poorest of the poor, very inferior, ignorant, because mm -hmm. having no land, having no access to education, access no access to health services, and other things makes us more vulnerable, which has continued to make us more marginalized. But like it takes one's commitment and courage to, to start and lead something. In the same way, Action for Battle Empowerment Group started that it can amplify the battle voices and also make sure that we can pattern and lobby with the government people, even the societies, to make sure that the voice of the Batwa community can be heard. However much, we have faced some opposition challenges faced by the same organizations that 
provide the same services, who claim that they are helping the Batwa in actual sense, yet they are taking more advantage of the Batwa people. The Batwa-led organization and fund organization, it's kind of unique that we cannot take advantage of our communities. When you're a, a, a Batwa or when you're a person, you, you're the one, you're having a pain, you're feeling a pain, you're the one that knows how your pain your paining or how deep the pain is. Fortress conservation has contributed to the erasure of the Batwa's history as a thriving forest people. Can you elaborate on the wealth of knowledge and resourcefulness that characterize these communities when they live in the forest? The Batwa we are vast with conservation knowledge, like in terms of harvest, because we are hunter-gatherers and hunter-gatherers. We don't uproot all the things, all the trees down. We could just remove on the side of the roots. We remove food. Then after, when we see that in the press where we are staying, the food is almost done or it's not enough, we could now move to another place to still give room for this place to also grow more food. We also had knowledge on medicinal herbs who are our own doctors. We are our own nurses and also midwives. We knew mm -hmm. every plant had a different meaning. We knew every plant that was dangerous or harmful to our bodies and the one that was very helpful to our lives in terms of herbal medicines. We had a culture of basket weaving and in our weaving baskets we could dye the raffia with the different herbal leaves with different trees, plants, to make sure that we get different colors to beautify our weave, our baskets, which were woven and which were used as our press and also keeping our food when we are staying in the forest. With, uh, with Minority Rights Group International and other local partners, you implemented a project called From Disparity to Dignity, Realizing Indigenous and Minority Rights in Development. This project studied access to education and health services in Uganda for Batwa communities and persons with disabilities, and it was used as the backbone for a national briefing on this topic. Can you tell us about some of the major findings of this study, and if also if there have been a notable impacts on healthcare practices, policy, or awareness? With MRG, we had this survey of better access to education and health. And uh, our findings, one of the major findings was that the Batwa don't access education and health because they are on long distances and more to that can education, the Batwa don't have food to eat at school. They also have no access to education materials like books, uniforms. So you cannot go to school when you have you don't have uniform or when you're putting on dirty clothes and then you you say that is free education. For this universal education, there is some fee you pay which the Batwa cannot manage. The other students, they, they segregate them. They don't want to sit with Batwa because they are dirty, because they are smearing. And this makes the children take school and don't go back to school. And the more to that, when it comes to access to health, it is the same. There is long distance to access such a services. And also, 
there is an equal service provision, there is a lot still a lot of marginalization that the Batwa are served lastly than these other community members. What we did after these findings, we tried to engage the government stakeholders, even the health services, like also conducting radio talk shows to make sure that we raise awareness to, to, to consider the battle as any other citizens of the country. At least there is something that has changed, however much, not as all that much. There is one of the hospitals in the Wind Community Hospital in Kanungu, where at least now we have enrolled 10 Batwa VHTs. And in these schools where some Batwa children go, at least there is less marginalization. They have tried to associate with them and the harassment has reduced. However much, this is not what we expect. We expect much more better than this, where the Batwa can have access to education. Uh, they can have government sponsorships which they have not been getting because of marginalization. We can also have like insurances, health mm -hmm. insurance for Batwa people because the forest is where we used to get the herbal medicine which we no longer access and we no longer access our herbal medicines and we don't have money to access hospitals. So we request that we the government can provide health insurances to the Batwa people. Thank you for sharing, Sylvia. Uh, you're also a part of Land Body Ecologies, a global transdisciplinary network and research group exploring the deep interconnections of mental and ecosystem health. How has this close work with researchers from other indigenous communities facing similar ch challenges strengthened your local work? I think being part of Land Body Ecologies, it has helped in building networks. We are seeing there is a lot of visibility that globally, and also we have had exposure at my attending COP28, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the second COP that I attended. So this has led to experience sharing, which has also led to some learning. Also, Alan Body Ecologies has helped us to produce one of the first virtual-led research paper before other many people were coming doing research on, on battle, but battle are not part of the research. So, and now that the battle have participated and in research, it has led to having produced the, their first paper in research, which is one of the memorable experiences the battle has done or even Abeg has done. Um, going a little bit into your organization, um, can you tell us about some of Action for Bato Empowerment's group's most relevant projects so far and what are some of the achievements and outcomes they produced? Mainly our organization, ABEG, is to advocate for the rights of the Bato to access education, to also do economic empowerment and we have tried to raise our voices to speak for the rights of the Batwa people. 
and most of that we have done research which is also working as one of the advocacy tools for the virtual communities we have also held many stakeholders meetings with the government people with other stakeholders for the battle to be valued citizens of the country. We also do skilling and entrepreneurship where we have provided the battle the younger battle women with some skills which can help them to earn a living and we have also provided them with startup capital to also earn a living because in the communities where we live most of the battle young girls have been taken advantage of by an battle where they are impregnated and those people don't the fathers of those children they don't take responsible for their children and you find we have very many young mothers who are single mothers taking care of their children alone so that is why we have empowered them with the skills and also given them startup capital to start their small scale businesses that they can be able to look after their families and their children and we also try to give battle loans because battle they don't have capacity to go in the banks and have loans to start up businesses we have tried to secure them to, with some loans to make sure that they can start up their own projects and also businesses to look mm-hmm. after their families and the fact that the battle have been facing many domestic violence it is one of the projects that we have done to make sure that it can also reduce domestic violence and considering considering the challenges do you foresee any possibility of the batwa returning to their traditional forest lifestyle what vision do you have for the future of batwa communities in uganda i see the government is silent on giving us the forest back but i, I my my future or my vision my goal is to make sure that the battle can have access to the forest again and also be able to practice our culture again so when our culture is not practiced it means we shall lose our culture identity in the future like mostly especially for the younger generation they no longer practice our culture and we cannot practice it when we are not in the mm-hmm. forest where most of our things where like our all our knowledge is we are the first conservationists of the forest and uh, there is no conservation without indigenous peoples like the Batwa who are stewards of the forest and we knew how to conserve it such that we can keep our culture as Batwa culture as Batwa people Sylvia thank you for sharing your knowledge about Batwa communities in Uganda and for such valuable insights on how to advance batwa rights we we urge our audience to continue in following action for batwa empowerment groups extraordinary work uh, so thank you for being with us today sylvia you're welcome thank you for hosting me so thank you dear listeners for tuning in to connecting the dots be an ally stay curious see you next time thank you for listening to connecting the dots An Azimuth World Foundation podcast. Join the conversation on our website azimuthworldfoundation.org or by following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn.